Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome back to episode 61 of the Ricky Henderson Podcast, the greatest of all podcasts, GUAP. I'm your host, Alex Espinoza, with my co host, Dr. Hot Dog Hal Gordon. Hot dog! <laughs> and uh, we got. One of the last two remaining beat writers on the beat. <laughs> we got Matt Kawahara of the San Francisco Chronicle. Matt, how you doing, man? Good. It's an honor. Good to talk to you guys. Thanks, man. And also, I got to mention that we are now part of the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks to Believe for picking us up. So if you hear any advertisements, make sure to buy whatever products they're selling you and tell them Ricky Blog sent you. Uh, <laughs> I think that's how it works, right? I don't know. <laughs> Sounds official. But Matt, what is it kind of like? I mean, it's just you and Martin pretty much on Martin Gallegos of MLB.com on the beat now. Uh, what is it kind of like just covering the A's and the team with so few, you know, dedicated people to it? You know, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a small beat. Um, I think there are, you know, the part of it is probably a reflection of just um, maybe a, a little bit of a lower fan interest right now, um, just because of, you know, the way that the, the, team is operating at the moment but there's still a ton of stories out there um it's still i think uh, a pretty interesting team obviously there's a lot of new guys so when we were down in arizona for spring training uh, it was a good chance to kind of get to know uh, a bunch of the new faces who were were there and um, just kind of start to piece together this group um that they have because it, you know there, there are some returning players from last year and some young guys who kind of come up through the system or coming through trades but um, but you have the the new free agent signings and um, just, you know, it's, it's, it seems like a, it feels like a new group. Um, obviously last year there was so much turnover that you couldn't really put your finger on like what the team is going to look like from day to day. So, yeah. so to have a, a, a group that they're at least kind of settled on to go into the, the team with and kind of getting to know them over the course of the spring was good. Matt, this is your, was this your first like real spring training as the uh, the A's? Uh... Yeah, first real spring training because uh, you know I joined the I was gonna join the beat with with Susan Slusser in twenty twenty, and obviously that you know got cut short. Um, <laughs> and then twenty twenty one was uh, was a weird camp because yeah. you know we couldn't like there were still uh, restrictions on like how close you could get to people. We were in the clubhouse. Oh. Um, so we were like watching spring workouts from uh, from one of the bullpen areas that we like we couldn't <laughs> because we had to like stay in the bullpen area the and watch through the fence and like <laughs> like get close enough to the fence yeah. to like talk to guys and everything was still over Zoom and then last year was the lockout so you know yep. we had four weeks and it was just catching up with all the trades um, so yeah this this actually felt like a real camp and that was it. What's the vibe in the clubhouse like? I mean, I, I mean, it, it, it seems like every time at this, at this time of year, people are saying, "Oh, everybody's having a good time. It's always all positive." But is that is that the actual feeling you get when you're in there? Like, yeah, everybody's you... having a good time. It's all positive. No, no, <laughs> they, uh, it's. I think it is. Um, yeah, I mean, to your point, yeah, it's spring, yeah. but I think there is a positive kind of feeling in the. Among the group, both with part part of it is that is from the the veterans that they brought in. Um, I you, you really get the sense that um, you know I said Jesus Aguilar in particular uh, is a is a kind of a bright positive 
uh, clubhouse influence um, kind of he's taken uh, several of the the younger uh, Latin American guys under his wing. Uh, you know, Pache was one of them, unfortunately. Like he's yeah probably gonna have yeah. to find a, a mentor some somewhere else. But um, but Diaz uh, is a little bit quieter, but seems to be a, a kind of a, a solid clubhouse presence. Jace Peterson also quieter, but kind of always in the middle of the clubhouse and. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, between that and just, you know, the, having the, the optimism of the spring, um, I, I, I do feel like it is a, a more positive vibe, at least at least at, than it was, yeah. you know, toward the end of last season. But even last spring, too, because when they were making the trades at the beginning, like in that first week, it was just like hit after hit yeah. after hit that yeah. uh, that the group there was taking and just watching these guys pack up their stuff and, and saying their goodbyes in the clubhouse, like during or after spring training workouts. And I don't know that that initial kind of, not that nobody saw it coming, but I don't know that those initial feelings ever really went away throughout yeah. the course of this season. Yeah. So at least there's a little bit more stability and they did some adding uh, before this season. So I think, uh, I don't know, the way, that the, the way that a couple of people have described it is that it's not so much like, processing emotions right now is it is just talking about like ways that they're gonna try to win games so it just feels more like a normal normal spring nice and like last year like that that was unique not only just because they sold off so many guys but normally they wouldn't do that during spring training Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no that all that stuff would have been done before or at least most of it would have been done before camp started and so you know the the awkwardness and the the suddenness of uh it was like of, every day yeah it was crazy. yeah it was i mean there was that first week where they traded uh bassett i think before the first workout and then yep. olsen two days later and then chapman two days later and uh, <laughs> just, just yeah and it was while it was in the was, you know on the mornings of workouts so these guys are showing up to the clubhouse and watching star players pack up their bags and having to say goodbye so yeah mm-hmm. uh, that's not happening this spring <laughs> or yeah. doesn't happen so the, now that you've gotten, you know, the, your normal sort of amount of access, gotten to gotten to know some guys at spring training, uh, you know, just between the the three of us, nobody else is listening to this. Uh, <laughs> you know, who who's been your favorite person to interview on the team? Who's been your favorite favorite person to talk to? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, it's a good it's a good group. I I will say that just from my you know experience, you know, covering the A's the past couple years or the past few years and then also a little bit uh before that um for the paper in sacramento the sacramento b that i worked at Mm -hmm. for a while uh, it is pretty consistently been a uh, like a solid group of of people um they're mostly approachable um mostly engaged when you're when you're talking to them and uh but i'm trying to is trevor may as hilarious as he seems he's pretty he's pretty funny yeah, yeah, but uh, he he's also uh, he's like a goofball. Like he seems like uh, or or like a, like a like you know he's like kind of in his own little world or something. Like you know he sees the world differently than most of us, kind of thing. You know. Yeah, I think that last way is he's very he seems very thoughtful. Um, and he you know he thinks, or he tries to he looks into stuff. He thinks about stuff that maybe not a lot of, you know, it just kind of explores different. Uh, different hobbies and and just different pursuits interests that maybe you're not going to find a whole lot uh in in clubhouses so he, he was 
he was definitely uh, a fun guy to talk to. Yeah, you wrote that article about how he's like the master baker of the clubhouse, right? Like he's he the baked really, goods guy, right? He really <laughs> enjoys baking. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's, uh, he, he said he picked it up like last uh, last fall just as something to do and made a loaf of bread and got hooked. And now he, <laughs> now he just yeah. bakes stuff all the time. And so, yeah, like he was, he was bringing it during spring training. He was just bringing in stuff like every other day, like bagels, scones. There was, a day, there was a day that he walked around the clubhouse just with a Tupperware container of cookies and was just like having everybody take a cookie. Yeah. Did you eat them? Were yeah. they good? Are they all right? Tried one. It was pretty good. Nice. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, Bagels are tough because you got to boil them and stuff. I, that's that's high I, degree. You know, that's a high degree. <laughs> that's of, what I thought too. Difficulty yeah. Home baking. Yeah. It seem like uh, seem like a chore, but he's uh, apparently he's made cakes, which also don't sound easy. Yeah, um, just gonna try layer cakes. Icing All I cake. do is pancakes. I can do pancake mix, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. If, you can, if, you can like, if you can make it in a bowl and then just not have to break and about. bake. Yeah, yeah, give me the break and bake cookies. Yeah. You know, those are all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, he's he's into it. Uh, so yeah, that, that he was definitely fun. But overall, it seems like a pretty solid. Group. All right, we got some real serious news to talk about as well. Uh, last night after the spring finale uh, in San Francisco, Mark Kotze, I guess I don't know, caught some people by surprise. I guess it depends on what camp you're in, but um, they announced that Christian Pache will either be traded or DFA'd, or he's just basically, um, you know, basically his tenure. It's not going to make the team. Li likely <laughs> over. Um what, what did you think about that? Did you think like, he did enough with the bat this spring to earn the fourth, like a look at least, maybe a, a, at least for a few weeks? Uh, what, what do you think about that move? Yeah, it was a tough call. Um, I think I was a little surprised. When they traded for Ruiz and, uh, and you know, at that and when they uh, they put uh, – they had David Force on, uh, on a Zoom call after that. And um, even at that point – uh, for said they they see Ruiz as a potential everyday center fielder and so that was immediately a sign that you know if they if they were assuming that he was going to be on the team right away uh that was they were going to have to do something with Pache and they at that point the force force thing was you know we'll figure that out in the spring when camp started we asked Marcate about the Pache situation and he uh he said something to the effect of uh Pache is also going to be auditioning during camp for 29 other teams yeah yeah which, that was kind of weird like he said yeah, that well, pretty I mean, early it was yeah. it was very early in camp and and that it was I, I don't know I was a little surprised to hear that because yeah. that made it sound uh, you know pretty pessimistic about his chances of, of making the team as camp went on and he was hitting a little bit um you know so you started to think that maybe you know maybe he does have a shot and the fact that he was really the only guy in that group of outfielders that was out of options. So, you know, they could have, you know, they could have opened without uh, one of the, one of the guys they decided to carry like a Rooker or a Cable mm -hmm. and just tried it out with Pache again for, for a little bit and, you know, seeing if it, if it worked instead of going into the season and, and making this decision right away. Um, but obviously that's not what they decided to do. Um, so I think, you know, that they, they did, they announced, Mark Conte said, announced, like you said, that, uh, that he won't make the, won't make the roster, but it still leaves open the possibility of, 
uh, sometime before Thursday morning when they have to set the roster that they'll you know, they'll explore the potential trading him. If if he does, if it does get to the point where they have to DFA him and uh, put him on waivers, it's it's tough to to think that he would pass through. You you would think that there is some team out there that would take a take a flyer on a guy that two years ago was the top rated prospect in the Braves system. Yep. Um, is an elite defensive center fielder as you know everybody who watched A's last yeah. season saw. Uh, he just this spring too he figured like, out with the bat. Yeah, it seemed like this spring too he was making always just making plays. You know? Yeah, I mean that's that's what he does. It's and it looks you know it makes it look easy. Um, and I think you know the, there were there were some more hits in a limited sample size this spring. Yeah. Um, one thing that. Uh, one thing that Marcotti kept coming back to was they were still seeing a lot of ground balls, uh, a lot of ground balls to the left side, and you know uh, through through last season you saw him hit a lot of ground balls to the left side. Yeah, and I think <laughs> they wanted, I think they wanted to see more, uh, more you know sort of elevating the ball, hoping for more line drives, maybe more of a opposite field um, approach, and either they didn't see enough of what they wanted to or or they had already semi made made up the mind that they were gonna probably move on and, and just decide to make that decision. I was I was really worried when I saw that he got sent when uh, last year when he was sent back to Vegas AAA and he still was like a below average. He still had below average like OPS, uh, you know, there. And at that point, you're like, well, yeah. I mean, you know, you sh- if you're if you're you're competing in the you know for major league you should at least be above average <laughs> triple yeah and i mean looking even looking at his numbers through the minors in the brave system um there wasn't really a level where he he, he dominated as yeah. a hitter and uh, especially at triple a i think i i forget what the exact triple a average is but it was something in the 250 260 yeah. range i think and um and the question has always been if he would be able to hit enough to sustain the glove and uh and you know last year he, he didn't um the fact that days i i mean you could see it from their point of view where they were a little hamstrung by the lack of of options in the timeline where they um it, 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 i don't know you, you can look at it as yes it seems it seems like a quick pulling the plug on this because he was a if not this probably wasn't the centerpiece of that uh, that Olsen deal but he was at that point I would say probably the most recognizable name just mm-hmm. because he had been up with the Braves a little bit he played in the um in the, in the playoffs with them people knew about the defense um and it seems like you know one year later cutting ties with him is sort of a, a significant quick about face um but yeah they... I, I think he would have i think i'm surprised they didn't just you know give him a few weeks like if he's still struggling in may like okay you can cut him then and then bring up rooker or capel um because it's like both of those guys have options like you said you know it's like they could have stashed one of those guys in triple a and just give give him a shot you know um but but yeah I, I think his slugging was only like 419 or something like that in, in the spring and it's just I mean, I, I guess they could just see a bunch of singles coming up and they just didn't want any more of that, you know? Um, unless they I, – I don't know this one or the other, unless they've already kind of had talks or they have a potential trade lined up or 
or something where they feel like making this move now uh, is, is more beneficial than, than dragging it into the season. Maybe that's a reason, but obviously nothing has happened on that front yet. So let's we'll wait until Thursday to see. All right. Well, let's let's talk about guys who actually could actually see on Thursday. At the college, <laughs> right. So uh, so instead of Pache, we got Brent Brent Rooker and Connor Capel. What uh, Cap- you know? Yeah, what, Capel. Yeah. Capel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what uh, you know? What kind of capabilities are we looking <laughs> at with these guys? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Capel, you, you saw a little bit toward the end of last season. I think yeah. he was a waiver claim in September. Um, and he had a great two weeks with the A's in a very, very small sample size. <laughs> yeah. But he looked really good for two weeks. Um, he's a left-handed hitter uh, who mostly plays the corners, but he could back up a little bit in center. Um, I think, uh, yeah, he, he's more of a probably a, a get-on-base um, guy who can run a little bit. Stole a few bases in spring, and obviously that's something that I think people um, think could, could be a little bit more of the game um, this season. So uh, Rooker is – he's got some good power numbers in the minors. Uh, he's definitely a corner guy, um, but, you know, he, he's about power and on base, draw some walks, uh, also strike out a good amount, uh, but hit something like 25 – homers and or 28 homers and 81 games triple a last season or something like that so um so he's got some power potential that i i think you know they they were going they decided to go right left there with with the, the back of outfield spots Berger <coughs> is an option to maybe uh platoon in left field with uh with seth brown if they decide that they don't want to start seth against left-handers all the time um, is their defense think, just like kind of average uh, for both of those guys? You think or like? Uh, Cable's, I would say Cable's probably the stronger defender. Rooker is. Um, I, I don't know that he's going to wow anybody with range. Um, I think you know he's, but he's definitely he's he's a corner guy for sure. Um, I think the offense is first for them. Yeah. What did you th- and uh, also Kevin? So they also made it over like Kevin Smith, who I, he had a, he had a really good spring. You know, he seems like a really, you know, like a plus defender at third and short. Um, were you kind of surprised that they, he, they didn't bring him up or do you think they just have so much versatility across the infield? You know, they got Peterson, they got, honestly, you know, Allen can play both spots up the middle. Diaz can play all over the place that um, I don't know, maybe they just want to see him get more consistent at bats or like, what do you, what do you think the logic was in that? That yeah, man. I think uh, I think he he was just made a little bit redundant by uh, the fact that they have Diaz, who's a right-handed hitting infielder who can play all three or all four spots really. Um, they have Nick Allen, and who's going to platoon at shortstop with Diaz, um, and then and Peterson, like you mentioned. I, I think it, it was kind of a numbers game with with Kevin Smith, who's a third yeah. baseman or shortstop, and. They, uh, you know, Kasi said last night the the final bench spot basically came down to Smith or Rooker, and uh, and they decided you know, both of them right-handed hitters with a little bit of pop. Um, they decided to go with Rooker just to, at the way that he put it, was to to have more options uh, with what they could do with the lineup, uh, which probably means a little bit more, uh, you know, platooning in the outfield. Whereas I feel like their infield mix is pretty set i don't know exactly where uh where kevin smith would have would have you know gotten his time if he if he made the the roster except for maybe 
getting the occasional start uh, at their base against lefties because their their shortstop situation is pretty sad. Yeah, do you think they're going to get caught in like this weird? Um, I mean, you know, they signed Diaz and Peterson. It seems to me as kind of like stop gaps, maybe to get to Geloff and you know just these next uh, this next generation. But it, do you feel like uh, that this kind of win now stop gap stop gap approach could you know hinder the development of guys like Allen? Do you feel like, or do you think Allen, um, you know, maybe everyday thing isn't good? For, like, isn't Maybe, you know, taking some days off could actually help him as well. Um, what do you think about that balancing of this win now kind of attitude? Because Katze sounds like, I, I think he said a couple of days ago, he's like, you know, watch out. We could be buying at the deadline, you know, like he still believes in this team, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that seems like a potentially overly. Awesome. <laughs> he's going to be optimistic. He's not going to say anything different. going. Into yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think that's, I think that's, a really good point like how and that is a, a major question for me going into the season is where does this this year fit into the, the rebuilding plan um like where where does this how does this fit into the timeline and it does it's it's clear that they're not just turning it over to the kids uh to the young guys because yeah. you know if they did they would have Nick Allen playing 150 games shortstop, but instead they're going to platoon it with Alednis Diaz because Alednis Diaz hits right-handed pitching better. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you if you think if if you think slash hope that Nick Allen is going to be an everyday player at some point, then I think it would make sense to consider giving him a lot of starts against right-handed pitchers and, and seeing if he can kind of make the progress that you're hoping to see. Um, so I, I, it's, it's a balance. It's always a balancing act between letting a player go out like a young player, go out there and, and potentially fail and hope that the progress uh, kind of grows out of that. Um, you know, one, counter to that would be what they saw with Pache last year where they did run him out there as the everyday center fielder for three months and he wasn't able to kind of make that breakthrough uh hitting wise and I I don't necessarily know that it um shook his confidence or affected his confidence because he has seen he seemed upbeat all through it and he seemed upbeat again this spring um but you know if, if they're that could be one part of the um, the formula, just to whether you know how how much you kind of throw these guys into the deep end. Uh, so, but but yeah, it's it's obvious that they're not just going, hey, we're going to let the let these kids bring these kids up and let them sort of take their lumps for a little while. Um, I I think part of it is that even though, you know, outside expectations are clearly very, very low for this team this year, um, just the way that last season played out uh, just was not, did, did not sit well with, uh, with a lot of people in the organization. There was a, there was a priority on making the major league team more competitive um, this year, even if it's, even if they're not going to compete for the division, um, bringing in uh, guys that are more veterans, have track records, um, can maybe give more competitive at-bats or at least lend a little bit of stability to the lineup. Uh, 
that that was a priority as well. So I don't know at what, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I wonder too, like another like sort of uh, another perspective could be as well that if you have a couple, if you have a couple of these uh, veterans on these short term deals, uh, you know, Aledmus Diaz goes out there and just rakes. I mean, uh, you're able to if he does that before the trade deadline, you're able to get something for him. Sort of like how they did with Betancourt last year. They just sort of picked him up. And he did. He did pretty good for two months, and they turned around and traded him. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, if Nick Allen does well for two months, you're not really you're not going to trade him. And uh, you know, if you're if you're trading away somebody like Sean Murphy, who still had three years of control, I you know I don't think, you know I think you know I, I think you've made a higher level decision that like we're you know we're not going to be winning the World Series next year either. You know, so. Um, you might as well see what these guys do. And if, and, you know, if they're, if they're their own, like sort of scratch off ticket, you know, one of them ends up being good. You can get another, you know, you can get another prospect for him too, but. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a potential part of it too. And I mean, both Diaz and, uh, and Peterson are on two year deals. So, yep. yeah. So yeah, if it's, if it's, you know, if, if they are kind of stopgap solutions and, you get to the end of this season and it does look like uh, Geloff or, or, you know, somebody else, young guys are going to come up and, and seize playing time and, and you are ready to hand those jobs over. Then, yeah, you could look to, to move, move those guys um, somehow. I, I think Aguilar is on a one-year deal. So yeah, I think that's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be a little bit more of a lightning in a bottle thing. Like if he goes on his 15, <laughs> 15, 20 homers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Like that's like that in court. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great point. I think that's part of it too. Yeah. Cause I wonder if that kind of um, argument applies to, like you said, Peterson and Kevin Smith too, because, you know, they could just roll out Kevin Smith at third base, but um, you know, I think when you're paying Peterson that much, you're, they're probably pretty pot committed to having him be a starter at this point, you know? Um, yeah. Peterson so it looks like he's at least uh, if he's not going to be the everyday third baseman, I think he's going to get a good amount of time there. Yeah. Um, he yeah. uh, defensively is really good at third base last year. Um, and the A's as a team were not very good at third base last year, defensively oh, or offensively. I mean, just yeah. kind of across the board. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Smith, what, Kevin Smith not was, too many stolen bases at third base either. Good on special yeah. teams, though. Really <laughs> good on special teams. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Smith did play good defense for the for the two months or so that he was like yeah. the, the everyday third baseman at the. At the at the front of the year, but, uh, but he didn't hit either. And then when they started kind of cycling the other guys through, everything was, was not quite there. So I think they were just looking for a little bit more stability and production out of that spot. You guys want to talk about some pitchers? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> All right. So we got, we got, we got Kyle Muller starting, uh, starting opening day. I mean, not, <laughs> it would have been tough to predict that. Uh, that have been my guess going into camp. Even yeah. Mueller, even Katsi was like, dude, I think Mueller thought I was sending him down. I was like, no, you're just starting opening day. It's so funny. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, the knife's edge of the Oakland <laughs> Yeah, well, so if I think if, you know, if Paul Blackburn was yeah. healthy, if he was going to open the season with them, then there's a pretty good chance that he would have been in the mix of opening day starts as an all-star yeah. in the organization for a while, but between that and between James Kefilling coming back from his uh, shoulder surgery and being on a little bit of a delayed timeline, mm-hmm. and this um, 
the strategy that they are going to go into the season where Shintaro Fujinami only only pitches on Saturdays. Their options their options were a little limited. So it's like Kyle Muller with, was on schedule to uh, <laughs> to be an option for this, and it's it's going to be his start, and it's going to be like his twelfth major league start. Yeah, um, I thought James Caprillion earned it. Like, at, at, like yeah, I, well, I thought it was Blackburn, but then once he was started, I thought it should have belonged to Cap, just given his tenure with the A's and stuff. But, but, but I mean, yeah, there's, like, there's not a lot of guys that have tenure with it. Yeah, I think he's what he's got. I mean, the only two they have two guys on the on the staff that have made at least twenty starts in a in a major league season. That's Blackburn, Caprillion. So if you were gonna go by, yeah, you know tenure or prestige then yeah that would be the <laughs> other guy but um when, when i'm when i'm thinking about who earns it i sometimes i feel like a gambler like leaving a, a casino at 3 a.m like rifling through my pockets being like i know there's a cole Irvin in here somewhere like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah hal are you uh are you are you a fan of the the Fuji Saturdays? Yeah, wait. So tell yeah. tell me about this. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw I saw this. Uh, explain. Someone explain this to me. We got Fuji Fuji Saturdays. I mean, right. I, I, I like it from a marketing perspective. <laughs> True. Yeah, you can do. Would have been great for hot dogs. Would have been great for. Oh dogs. yeah, I would, if they just been it's it's Fuji third, Wednesday day games. I would have been like, what the hell are we doing here? But, <laughs> yeah. but it's on Saturday. I mean, that's smart. But like, why once a week every single day? Yeah. yeah, so it's it's similar to the schedule that uh, starters pitch on in Japan because okay. there there are most teams uh, most teams use six man rotation and most uh, mostly have off days on once a week. So basically, every starter pitches once a week, and I think they've decided to uh, to at least at first to kind of ease his transition over. That's what they're going to do with him. So he's going to pitch on Saturdays. Um, they're at least going to start the season with what amounts to a five-man rotation is going to be he pitches Saturdays. There's four other starters who are going to pitch on regular rest and just every Saturday, Fujinami is going to slot in there. So, so there's going to be days obviously where they need to, um, they need to plug in like a six starter or a spot starter, I should say, or have a bullpen day or something where they're making sure that nobody's pitching on short rest, but the way that they're doing this, it does line up where, you know, there, there will be times when guys have an extra day or even two extra days of rest. The, the drawback, I think, for some starters, or at least the thing they're, they're going to have to adjust to is starters here are used to pitching every five days. Or yeah, at least the in-between you know, days, right? Like their routines yeah, are going to be They have their routines, time. right, yeah. 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 So that's, that's the thing they're going to have to adjust to is how do they stay ready? How do they go from four days between a start to five or maybe even six and make sure that they're ready to go? Um, so a, a question like about the media, you know, is, you know, when, when, um, when Otani comes to, uh, you know, comes and pitches, it's always a zoo. There's a tremendous amount of Japanese media there, you know, whenever he's playing, I, they'll be like, they'll just be like random, like Japanese guys setting up cameras in the, like in, you know, in foul territory. Like, I don't even know what's like, I'm just like, who, what is happening? Uh, you know, I know that uh, Fuji, you know, originally had a lot of promise when he was coming up and, you know, hasn't, you know, hopefully he's going to make a big comeback. But have you seen you know, how much how much uh, attention from the Japanese media has Fuji gotten in camp and uh, in general? Yeah, there's been a fair amount. Um, it's definitely not Otani level. 
Well, uh, yeah, obviously. But. <laughs> the, uh, but, but I mean, when, when there was the, the first or the early spring training game where they both, they pitched, they both started. Yes. Um, and that was, there was, oh, man, three dozen, maybe 30, mm-hmm. 30, 40 um, media members from Japanese outlets there. And so there, I, I would say like at the, at the beginning of camp, uh, maybe in the first couple of days that uh, Fujinami was kind of out there throwing, maybe there were maybe 10 sort of dedicated or people who were, who were showing up regularly that dwindled a little bit over the course of camp. But mm-hmm. part of that was um, uh, some of the media members were covering the WBC. So yeah. either went back to Japan or went to Miami. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly what the number is going to be uh, at the Coliseum or at like who were going to follow him uh, to start the season. But that first series is going to be obviously a, a big deal because yeah, Saturday is going to yeah that first Saturday is going to be wild, man. Yeah, that that day is going to be good. I mean, uh, with Otani pitching Thursday, that's that's going to be yeah. Uh, well, all the media be... will probably just stay in town. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And um, I hope we don't have an atmospheric river that just wipes it all out. You know, that would be a real. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> If it rains on the first Saturday of this once a week thing, then I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, you got to wait till next week. Luigi. Yeah. That's it, oh, man. man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, like to your point, yeah, they, they do have a history that goes back to like high school. Um, when, uh, well, I've been told that, you know, Fujinami was viewed as like the better pitcher when they were both in high school, but they, you know, they, came out of they, they were in high school they were the same year in high school they were drafted in the same year um so they do have a, a good um a good amount of backstory so that it'll be, it'll be fun on saturday when otani's gonna you know sensibly be in the lineup and and they get to actually actually face each other do you think they uh do you think the a's are gonna have a problem with walks this season i mean fuji we've seen him he can be pretty wild i mean Mueller, you're looking at spring numbers yes yeah, yeah well, <laughs> I mean, Muller, Waldachuk, Caprillion, like literally all their top four starters are all guys who have are capable of, you know, throwing five walks to start. Uh, the walk numbers in spring were definitely yeah. concerning. Um, <laughs> and not just the starters, but I mean, the bullpen too. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, Fujinami, Fujinami had the weirdest Cactus League numbers. It was something like <laughs> he threw like 18 and change innings. Yeah. He gave up seven hits, and then he walked 17 guys, and he struck out 20. Yeah. um, I'm so excited for the Fuji experience. (laughs) It's going to be so fun to watch him. Yeah. Well, his last last spring outing, he threw six innings, didn't give up a hit, and he left – he gave up two runs because he – you know, there was the one inning. They were charged to him because it was his fault, yeah. Yeah, he walked four guys in an inning and threw two – and had two wild pitches and so yeah but that was that was the thing that you noticed like watching his starts was it's not like he'll go into an outing and just not have command that day like it's not like you know he doesn't have it's there will be one inning or one or two innings where it just vanishes somehow like he'll he'll start out the game looking real sharp get to the third inning and all of a sudden he walks through you guys in a row yeah, it seems like it and, just snowballs. It's like once it starts, you're like, oh, like yeah. This is but and, and but then it's only like that one inning, or like, <laughs> and then he'll finish up with two more scoreless, where he you know he retires the side or something like that. And he has said that he is aware of this mechanical thing where you know sometimes his uh, basically he'll point his shoulder a little bit too much at, at third base, and he feels like he'll start to fly open, and that kind of leads to 
mm-hmm. some of the some of the command issues and he so he he sounds like he's aware of what is maybe causing some of the, the stuff to go awry but then um it you know it comes down to being able to make the adjustment in game so that you know if you see if he starts to notice that's going on you can kind of correct it before you walked four guys and walked in a run and now you're facing a huge inning. So, so yes, with, with him, definitely something to watch. I think uh, Waldachuk's spring numbers were also iffy. Um, a lot of walks for him and not a lot of deep outings. Um, you know, he, he threw enough pitches to get filled up for the season, but if they're, if they're counting on him to be a, you know, reliable rotation guy, and if they're going to do this thing where they're going to have to carry a long man or two so that, um, so that, you know, they can fill in, you know, the spots that they need for the rotation and they're maybe down a, a what would normally be a bullpen arm, they're going to need their starters to be reliably you know, working a good amount of innings and. Yeah. That was Caprillion's problem too, last year too. He couldn't like even get past the fifth, six innings yeah or they didn't give him a chance to there were a couple outings there yeah he looked really bad yeah yeah where he threw like five innings and had 60 pitches or something and they yanked him so um but yeah but with Wallace there were short outings he would throw a lot of pitches he would walk walk guys and he just was not able to kind of get through innings quickly so Mm -hmm. um but yes your original point uh walks are are something that um they were doing a lot of in spring (laughs) i need to probably need to correct do you think the uh it sounds like i i didn't realize actually last night i was listening to the recording uh the ace provided of the press scrum and uh and Kotze said it's you have to split up the roster 13 and 13 i didn't realize that uh you can't do like a 14 12 split between position and um in uh bullpen uh or you know the pitching staff so so we're looking at the so we got Muller, Fuji, Waldo, uh, Caprillion, and then Sears and all are kind of in that fifth, sixth. And then for the bullpen, we're looking at Trevor May, Danny Jimenez, Zach Jackson, Sam Wall, Domingo Acevedo, Yuri's Familia. And then there's one last bullpen spot, right? Uh, mm-hmm. do you think that belongs to Chad Smith or what do you, yeah? I mean, I don't know who else it would be, right? I don't, I mean, yeah, be, yeah. I mean, Chad Smith is the 40 man guy who's there. Uh, they still had Steckenrider up with them. Uh, toward the end of camp, so he's probably a candidate. Uh, they they didn't make that decision yet, so mm-hmm. they I think they will have. See, they put Snead on the sixty man or sixty day IL to clear a spot for Familia. So if they were, I mean, if they were to carry like a second rider, then then yeah, they would have to to make a move. I mean, the other option is the other option is knowing that either one of either Sears or, or all or probably Sears is going to be that fifth starter. They could even go with another long guy um, like Adrian Martinez. Um, and not, I, I don't know if this is going to happen, but at some point they could decide to go that route where they just have like seven starters on the seven or eight, even, you know, probably, probably more like yeah. seven, but several long guys in the bullpen for the possibility of doing like a piggyback situation or some weird creative, I don't know. We'll the Fuji thing is good. Whatever man, adjective food... you want to, yeah. but, but yeah, they're going to have to, they're really going to have to be flexible. I think with, uh, with how they handle this, uh, this starting situation. So yeah. I, the bullpen that, that last bullpen spot or, you know, those last couple of bullpen spots, I think could, um, 
the way that they fill those, I think, could kind of change and evolve throughout the season. What you got, Hal? I'm hog- I'm hogging up all the questions here, man. What you got for him? <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, let's let's ask the big one here. Well, how many wins? How many? What's what's? The- <laughs> I'm no good at predictions. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I want you to make a big fool of yourself. Let's go. Obviously. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's. I think they'll be better than last. Like, okay, well, you think they'll be have more wins than last year? What do they have? Think, Sixty. Yeah, they went sixty and one hundred and two last year. Yep. I, I think it's it's real hard for a team to lose hundred games. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't. I don't think they lose hundred games again. Yeah. Just, just by a lot of average thing. I mean, it's not another question, but I don't. I don't think that happens. So, I think maybe somewhere in the. I, I has. I, I, I can't even. Hesitate to even put a number on it, but I do. I do think that there is enough there to, to at least be yeah. better than last season. Oh yeah, you know, just by just by accident. Just by the sixty-one wins gonna, is possible. Not, just by accident. They're probably not going to use sixty-four different players. They're probably not going to have thirty-four rookies. That's right. I think they'll like... be closer to 70. I think they'll be in the low 70s is what I'm guessing. I, I think. Are you saying number of players or wins? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were saying number yeah. of players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, uh, no, I mean for wins. I think they'll be in the low 70s. What about you, Hal? What's your prediction, man? What do you think? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, guy, right? yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with 65. I think they'll get 65 wins. Yeah. Okay, better. Better than last year. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I think. I think uh, in some sense, I would say that their team might be worse than last year. Uh, but but I think that, yeah, just by I think it's I think you have to be bad and unlucky to only win 60 games. So I'll, I'll give him a few more. Hey, who's your uh, Matt? Who's your prediction for breakout player? I'm, I'm all, all about Esteuri, Esteuri Ruiz. Um, it's I'm looking at the stats right now. So Matt Olson is number one in spring training RBIs and then Ruiz is number two. So it's kind of uh, he's he's, he's got seventeen spring trading RBIs. Spring trading RBIs, baby. That's uh, that's worth a lot, huh? Yeah, <laughs> extremely, extremely not lucky at all. <laughs> Big foreshadower for the uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. No, I was just gonna say he. Um, I'm all. I'm I, mean, all I think he had a good spring. I think he had a good spring. Like he, uh, I. He finished hitting over 300. Um, I mean, the question with him, the thing that pops is obviously the, the speed. And in order for him to steal a ton of bases, he's got to be on base. And he was getting on base um, this spring. And he was hitting his way on for the most part. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily going to have the like the power numbers that he showed a little bit uh, in the minors, but he had 16 homers last year. I was surprised, man. And yeah, yeah. but but he was, you know, he was getting on. And uh, um, so, I mean, if he can do that consistently, they had him hitting basically at the bottom of the lineup um, all spring, which I would guess is the way that they're going to start out. But, you know, if he's, he's getting on, maybe they they bump him up and have him be a little bit more of a a top of the lineup guy. I, you know, I'm hoping just, just because uh, I like him so much, I'm really hoping that uh, Tony Kemp has a good year because it's his, it's his last year of arbitration. You know, I think, I think like you know, not you know, last season was a little bit of a, a regression from, from what he had before, and uh, you know, I'd love to see him. I'd both love to see him, you know, be able to get a get a contract to actually make some money, and uh, you know, 
wouldn't be wouldn't be the 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 worst thing too if we were able to get something for him at the trade deadline. Although that would be very sad, but uh, that, I think I'll be rooting for him the most. Probably. He had a good second half, or he had a better second yeah, half. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, so, yes. I mean, he talked about um, kind of overhauling his basically his entire hitting approach at the at the All-Star break, or at least the way that he was setting up and the way that he was working on pregame stuff. Uh, he changed a bunch of stuff at the break, and he felt like he saw some good results in the second half. So um, if he hits more like he did in the second half last year, um, then, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a solid year again. I don't know that he's necessarily going to get back up to – uh, the level that he was producing at 20 and 21, because yeah. that was a little bit uh, out of character. <laughs> or uh, it was just beyond what he had done at any point in his career before that. But I mean, but if, if he if he produces like he was, did in the second half last year, he's still an above average player. Yeah, he, you know, he shouldn't have any problem finding a finding a nice contract for maybe a three three year contract after that. That would be great for him. I bet. <laughs> I'm also intrigued by Ryan Noda too, because I mean, he started out really strong, but then he pretty struggled, you know, pretty much throughout the rest of spring training after that opening weekend. Uh, But his defense looks pretty good. He looks like an athlete out there. Um, What what do you, what do you think about, I mean, I I think he deserved to make the team and just get a shot, but what are you kind of expecting out of him? Or do you think he's kind of a question mark to be, to be figured out? You know, the strikeouts were, uh, were high. Um, yeah. obviously I think, uh, I mean, the walk, the walk totals were high too, and neither one of those is necessarily out of character for what he has done in the minors. Mm-hmm. The strikeout numbers in spring were, it was a much higher rate than he has had in the minors. Uh, I think they're, I think they're hedging that that's going to come down, uh, as they go into the season and they didn't want to make a decision to uh, to break without him just based on um, sort of a limited sample size in spring training. So, you know, they're going to go into the season with him. Uh, it sounds like one thing that I was a little bit surprised about yesterday was, uh, like you said, I mean, defensively, he's looked, he's looked pretty solid over there. And the other option is Jesus Aguilar, who has, uh, you know, he's, he's played a decent first base in the he just looks like such a big guy, dude. Like he's just yeah, you, you don't look at him and guy. think yeah. this is yeah. going to be like the most athletic first baseman out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. But one thing that uh, Mark had to say yesterday in the pregame scrum when we asked about Noda and how you're going to use him was that uh, right now it looks like Aguilar is going to get uh, more playing time at, at first base or get a majority of the playing time at first base. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what the breakdown is going to be, but uh, but that. You know, and you, you would assume Noda as the left-handed hitter maybe gets starts against righties and you yeah. face more righties. But he said Noda could also get some starts at DH. So maybe, you know, maybe Ag- I, I... I'm surprised Aguilar's not the primary DH and, you know, Noda's the primary first baseman. Yeah, you know, If you're facing a right-handed, facing right-handed pitcher, I mean, that would seem like the, the, op- the opportunity to have Noda at first base and Aguilar at DH if, unless they actually do look at Aguilar as, as the, better defensive first baseman yeah or at least a, a good defensive uh first baseman and so, so somebody that they are confident in over there but that's what he said as far as how they're going to start out with so see how it kind of how it actually plays out yeah and then Car- carlos perez also made the team as the backup catcher um do you know what how manny Pena is progressing he's got an injured left wrist is that right is, is he yeah. um do they have any timetable? I mean, I know Kasi is kind of guarded with timetables and stuff, but um, 
But do, do you have any idea what how in in is Manny guaranteed the backup when he comes back? Just given what he's making, uh, I think he's making four and a half million this year, something like that. Right. Yeah. Um. So he he had surgery on the left wrist uh, last May, something like that. I think it was to uh, to address some uh, cartilage or ligament damage in there. Mm-hmm. So he had surgery in May, uh, wiped out the rest of the season. And um, he, w- when he came to camp, I was talking to him early in camp um, and he didn't really start sort of ramp back up with baseball activities until pretty late in the off season. And uh, he said that he, he didn't actually really catch a bullpen session until, until he got to camp. Um, but it was, he was in a minor league game uh, getting at bats uh, and it was on a swing and miss where, you know, swung and miss and felt like a twinge in the wrist. And so I, apparently, I guess he came in the next day and it was a little swollen. So he decided he uh, reset and talked to the doctor that had performed the operation. The doctor wanted him to come back to Atlanta where he had had it and couldn't just get it checked out. So at this point, he's in a brace. He's got a brace on the wrist. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. So it's immobilized. And the last sort of timeline was it's going to be at least two weeks before he is able to use it again, or at least until he's able to kind of get into a, a potentially like a minor league rehab game, at least two weeks, probably, I would say that's a, that's an optimistic timeline. What yeah. he, he's playing catch, like he, we would see him late in spring training where he'd be standing next to somebody who would like catch the ball for him and toss to him. And then he would throw it back with his right arm. So Interesting. Like, I'm surprised he even passed his physical. If he was having like issues and all that kind of stuff before that swing, even if he was having trouble catching and stuff, you know, like, I don't know that he was necessarily having trouble catching. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I, yeah. when they made the trade, I remember, uh, the A's saying that, you know, they had, they had talked to Pena about what he'd been able to do so far. And like, he was, uh, they they didn't sound concerned about. So this is like that news that swing really just kind of just re. Yeah, uh, because, he got, because he was in camp for a few days before that happened, and he was doing stuff like he was catching bullpens, um, taking batting practice. Uh, he even played in a cactus league game. I think it was the first like the first spring training game he got at least one at bat, and um, and then yeah, it was just a, a swing and miss where felt something in it and uh oh so he had calf soreness calf soreness was the original thing that knocked him out and then he was playing in a minor league game to kind of get himself back from the calf soreness and that's when he swung and missed another wrist so so yeah it's been a little bit of everything with him uh i would i would assume like you said because he's because he's a veteran because he's got you know he is making some money this year that they would like him and because he has a track record of being yeah a major league catcher that they would like him to come back and be that veteran backup to uh to Langoliers. um but the timeline of that is a little iffy all right well i think i think uh i think this was awesome i really learned a lot i'm uh, excited for thursday uh <laughs> and uh you know i'm also excited for the a's uh 2025 season maybe too but <laughs> But no, this is great. I, I really, really appreciate you spending all this time with us. This was this was awesome, Matt. Yeah, Thank you so much. Fun. Yeah, happy to talk about it. Yeah, so. thanks, man. I thought it was gonna go like 30 minutes, but here we are like an hour later. This is what always yeah. happens. So, yeah, no, I had, I, had to, I had to break you two up. I had to break you two up. We'll, we'll have you we'll have you on later in the season, uh season, I'm sure. Yeah, anytime for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, thanks a lot, Matt.